Hey there, I'm Everett. I'm Baron. And welcome to Bro, Bro Have, Have You Seen? Welcome, bro. Hey, bro. What's up? Not much. How you doing? Pretty good. I'm excited. Uh, how's your previous week been? Oh, it's been crazy. Been watching a lot of movies. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I had a it's big awesome. marathon this weekend, so... Yeah. Yeah, been a lot of horror, Sweet. mostly, but I've uh, been sneaking in some other random ones here and there. Nice. Yeah. I've kind of been tunnel-visioned on a few specific things I've been watching, and also schoolwork and other things, so... Yeah, same. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a week, but... Always good to fit movies in. There's yeah. never a week that goes by that we don't watch movies. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. I was telling my roommates yesterday, I told them, man, I had not seen a movie all day. And they kind of <laughs> they kind of laughed at me like, do you watch a one movie every day? I'm like, at least. Yeah, much. yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I, I was... can always find time to squeeze one in. Yeah, Even if it's sure. at the very end of the night and it's like 11 o'clock, I'll probably still watch yeah, it's it. Yeah, it's worth the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. You gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, but I'm excited for this episode. I've been yeah. preparing a lot for it, and uh, yeah, we might as well just uh, say what it is. It's our top 10 favorite comedy movies mm-hmm. list. Uh, we both each have a list, and we're just going to kind of walk through them, talk about the movies, and uh, compare our list, because I know we have some overlap. Yeah, a couple overlaps, actually, yeah. And we'll kind of break down the criteria of our list as well, kind of why we included them. And we'll do that as we go as well. Why we included them, we'll talk about what we liked about them. And yeah, so if you've seen these, bring your thoughts. And if not, maybe these are some that you can check out. We won't really be giving too too many like spoilers away. We're not going to go super in-depth. Just kind of an overview of our list. And yeah. Yeah, I tried really hard not to do any spoilers. Mm-hmm. Uh with each of them, I will talk about the basic plot, like kind of the setup for the movie, but basically anything beyond the first 30 minutes, I won't talk about at all. I'll just, Sweet. you know, mention some of my favorite bits, why it's important to me, why I love it, and um, just kind of an overview of the plot. So if anyone hasn't seen one of these movies, uh, it'll be a good intro, and hopefully they'll be interested in watching one or two, or, you know, the whichever ones they haven't seen yet. Yeah, exactly. Sweet. Well, do you have anything else? To, do you want to start breaking down our criteria? Yeah, kind of so... Give us a setup. So the for rules for my list, I wanted to narrow this down because I have seen a lot of movies, seen a lot of comedies. It's not one of the most important genres to me per se, but mm-hmm. the more I've studied like working on this list, I've actually found that a lot of my favorite movies are very funny. <laughs> and so it's very hard to kind of sift through all that and find the ones that I really want to highlight for this particular list. So one of my rules was it can't be on my top 10 list of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, it excluded a few, um, couple Tarantino movies and a couple animated movies that just have really stuck with me over the years and ones that I really love, despite they also are comedies. Um, they just happen to be some of my favorite movies of all time. So I wanted to keep that list separate from this. And I just decided to try and get a range of genres or different styles of comedy so you know i have some animated movies on here i have some older classic movies and i have a couple ones that are maybe more satirical i just i tried to capture basically my comedic taste as broad of a range as i could get so what about your rules do you have any yeah mine's kind of the same i didn't exclude 
my top favorite movies. I have a few that are probably in my like top ten range of movies mm-hmm. for sure. But along with what you said, these movies define my comedic sensibilities. And with the genre of comedy, it's also not one that I really love to search out. I think comedy is more of an organic genre that you kind of gain over time as you watch movies. And then a big factor of mine was how they've stuck with me since I've watched them. Have they made it into my like daily quote vocabulary? Like how right. how steeped have these become in my life and like define my comedic taste and my jokes and stuff. So that's good. That's a big factor. Yeah, quotability is a big quotability for sure. Part of it for me, it was maybe a little more subconscious than it was for you. Yeah. For me, but yeah, like a lot of these movies, I quote pretty regularly yeah there's a couple especially as you get near the top mm-hmm. that i quote like almost every day yeah i'm pretty I think sure about every day i'm pretty sure the top few i quote every single day yeah. so mm-hmm. that's a big factor and nostalgia as well just ones that i've always grown up with and uh, have been introduced throughout my short lifespan but uh mm-hmm. yeah that's those are some of my major criteria and maybe i'll find other ones as i go so nice yeah yeah i'm really excited for this list again like comedy isn't always one that stands out to me. Like you said, I don't necessarily seek it out, but it's always good to have like some comedies in your back pocket, mm-hmm. especially when you're trying to watch a movie with friends or just if you're kind of in a downer mood. Or I like to put comedies on in the background a lot of times mm-hmm. just because like the more serious movies, especially foreign, like I can't put a foreign yeah. movie on the background because I have to read the mm-hmm. subtitles. So comedies are great to have on in the background, especially if I've seen them a lot. I can just kind of tune in every once in a while for my favorite bits and otherwise just kind of focus on whatever else I'm doing. Yeah, and as you mentioned, uh, I just realized with the showing friends thing, I think that's also a big factor. Um, A lot of these ones, and as you get closer to the top, are ones that maybe we've watched together or I've watched with someone else, and that's what makes it so much more fun. Uh, watching comedies by yourself sometimes not as funny but if you're in like the late hours of the night and you're with like a good friend that can define the experience and that's true for a few of the ones that I've made my list oh yeah <laughs> a couple of my honorable mentions I've watched with you and yeah. we busted out like the yeah. whole time so that's definitely a big part of mine and as well something I thought of with comedies in particular they're not always that funny when I watch them alone mm-hmm or even when I watch them with other people, but it's talking about them afterwards outside of the movie that exactly. is funnier than the movie sometimes. Just quoting it and remembering the funny bits um, sometimes can be more enjoyable than the actual movie itself, which is totally true for some of mine. Maybe totally. Maybe not very many, but one or two probably. That's why I think it's important to let them age. Because yeah. I watched a few kind of in prep for this, and I couldn't include them confidently on my list because I don't know how it's aged. Like, I thought about them for a few days, but at this point, I'm not sure how much they really have stuck with me compared to all these ones, and if I could conclude include them in my list. Yeah, I think the most recently watched one on my list is number eight. Mm. Everything else on my list is, like, I've seen them for years, you know? Like, I grew up watching these, or exactly. I've just seen them enough times now that I'm certain that they're in my top favorites. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Totally. Well, that if hopefully that gave you a good overview of kind of our criteria for our lists. And yeah. as we said, no spoilers. So just be prepared for a good time and see what we like. And yeah. Yeah. So without further ado, let's get into our top tens. Uh, why don't you start? All right. Yeah. Kicking it off with 
off with <laughs> my number 10 is the Fast and Furious franchise. Wow. I don't know. That's kind of... <laughs> That's so cheating. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I don't know if I could... Maybe just fa- Fast and Furious, the first movie. No, probably like Fast Five. It's my favorite one. And yeah. it probably has the best one-liners. I think Fast Five is the best one. So, yeah. What I was thinking with this one, I think it has like almost two layers of comedy. You got the first layer, which is like the in-universe, its own thing. Their, their banter between the characters, the one-liners, all that stuff. And then you have like the second, third-person perspective layer that's how ridiculous the universe is and how crazy the movies are. That's another level of funny. I think it's it's excellent. And probably the best action franchise. Just kidding. One of my favorite action franchises. Um, and I've talked about it on every episode of the show so far. So Yeah. What would what would a bro have you seen episode Dude, be without what a would Fast it be? What would, what would it be without Dom and the Gang? So Yeah. Uh, yeah. Without family. Yeah, without the family. It's gotta be in there. Yeah, at number 10, it's got fantastic one-liners. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about Fast yeah. and Furious. I think I've quoted a couple of those lines on the show before. Yeah, so. yeah. Sweet. Yeah. What's your number 10? So, my number 10 is quite different from your number 10. <laughs> yeah. It is a classic little comedy that I feel like it's often overlooked, especially when considering the careers of the gentlemen who starred in it mm-hmm. um i feel like chevy chase is most known for the national lampoon's vacation movies mm-hmm. and the other two are probably more well known for their run on snl chevy chase also famous for snl but the other two weren't extremely famous outside of that show just the three of them together adds a mixture of brilliant humor just the time that it takes place the grouping of these three guys and the absurd narrative, it just all makes for a hilarious moment in comedic history. And it's pretty underrated. My number 10 is Three Amigos. Ah, uh, yes. All right. What Actually, are your thoughts on Three Amigos? Yeah, I did not even consider this one on my list, sadly. Like you said, it's overlooked, and you've proven your point because I did not think about this, even in my honorable mentions. Um, Yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time, but we watched it a lot growing up, and there's lots of stuff that our family quotes and references a lot, Yeah, and I remember a lot of it being very funny, and I imagine watching it again now would probably, there'd be things that I didn't pick up on earlier, so I imagine it'd be funnier to watch it again. It's exactly exactly one of the reasons Mm -hmm. why I love it so much, is it came at a time in my childhood (laughs) when I could catch a few of the jokes, and with each rewatch... I've gotten more mature mm-hmm. and I've been able to catch more of the adult jokes. My favorite line in the movie is with Chevy Chase. He's talking to this Mexican woman and he's like playing the guitar and just kind of hanging out one night and she's telling him, why don't we go and you can kiss me on the veranda? And he pauses and he says, your lips would be fine. <laughs> it's just such a good like it's a little bit of an adult joke but it's so good and the way he delivers it is classic so i That's love this great. movie sweet what's your number nine baron okay my number nine is another one that we've grown up with it's kind of been around we, we have both of these here on dvd and so that means that we've had them for a while <laughs> um they've been around we watched them like i said growing up it's a it's an oddball comedy it's got you know, peop- not really people that went on to do anything else. It's kind of a, it's a little microcosm, little cult classic. 
um, filmed in Idaho, a local state, and mm-hmm. just very small production, small group of cast, like I said, not not any stars. And this one has been an essential nostalgia movie for me, and that, that's a big factor on this list. And this is Napoleon Dynamite. I believe this was from 2003. Um, yeah, what do you have anything to say about Napoleon Dynamite? I love this movie. It's great. <laughs> uh, I will argue a little bit with your statement that these people haven't gone on to do very much, as the director and co-writers actually made a movie that appears in my top 10 list later mm. on that you will see. Directed by Jared Hess? Yes. Hmm. Jared Hess. Okay. He's come up with a couple movies. Uh, I also think he did another one that was more recent that I haven't seen. I think it was called Bernie. Okay. Um, but I, think I was more talking about the actors because I... Right. Yeah, but I didn't know who directed it, so... Also, John Heater, the okay. star... John Heater. He's gone on to do a few things. He was okay. pretty big for a while. Okay. Um, he actually voice acted in the Napoleon Dynamite animated series. Oh, yeah. I totally forgot about that. But his biggest, I think, claim to fame was a little movie he did with Will Ferrell called Blades of Glory. Okay. He was pretty funny in that, and... Uh, yeah, again, with Napoleon Dynamite, we grew up watching it. It was filmed in our home state, mm-hmm. in a little town. And if you're from Idaho, you know, like, you get the jokes more. Yeah. I think it's funny for everyone, but it's so true. Just their lifestyle and <laughs> the, the interesting, weird characters that you meet in random small yeah. towns in Idaho. And it makes me laugh just that the fact that it exists. Um, I, I don't have much to say about it other than it's hilarious. It's great. He learns dancing from (laughs) videotapes that he gets at a thrift store. Oh yeah. And just, yeah, there's so many weird, quirky little bits that this director is famous for kind of in his movies. So yeah. One thing I would add is growing up, I always thought we were the only ones that knew about this movie. But, of course, like a lot of the movies we watched growing up, when I realized that there's more people out in the world, this movie is like kind of a cult classic, and actually a lot of people have seen it. So maybe if you haven't, definitely recommend. So that was my number nine. Nice. Okay, my number nine. It's low on my list only because it's deeply funny, um, like all of this director's movies. Um, It's not an outright comedy. So I didn't feel like it fit that high. There are some tough subjects dealt with here. Not all of them work for me. But when I think about the films I've seen the most times that have delivered consistent laughs with each viewing, I knew this one had to be on my list. My number nine is Django Unchained. Hmm. It's a film by Quentin Tarantino, who probably is my favorite director. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I've seen all of his movies. I like them all, but I love more. I love some more than others. And this one is one of my least favorite by him. However, it's great. And it's trying to balance. There are many humorous aspects kind of at play here. Django's curious outfit, his ignorant dialogue between him and Dr. King Schultz, played by Christoph Waltz, who is fantastic in this movie. Christoph Waltz is just funny in the way that he delivers his lines, especially in this. Uh, The first thing he says is, calm yourselves, gentlemen. And just like that (laughs) smooth tone. I don't know what it is about him, but he just 
has that comedic presence on screen that uh, just works really well. Who's that stumbling around in the dark? State your business or prepare to get winged. Calm yourselves, gentlemen. I mean you no harm. I'm simply a fellow weary traveler. Whoa. Good cold evening, gentlemen. I'm looking for a pair of slave traders that go by the name of the Speck Brothers. Might that be you? Who wants to know? I do. I'm Dr. King Schultz. This is my horse, Fritz. What kind of doctor? Dentist. Now, are you the Speck Brothers? And did you purchase those men at the Greenville Slave Auction? So what? So I wish to parlay with you. Speak English. Oh, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. It is a second language. Now, amongst your inventory, I've been led to believe, is a specimen I'm keen to acquire. Hello, you poor devils. Is there one amongst you who was formerly a resident of the Karukan Plantation? I'm from the Karukan Plantation. But most importantly, every scene with Don Johnson's Big Daddy character. He's a head <laughs> of a plantation in the South, and his character is played for laughs more than anything. It's a kind of a cheap shot, maybe. It's an easy pick. But the screwball comedy aspects at play in his performance get me every single time. In a scene towards the beginning of the film, Big Daddy gets his gang together for a masked raid. <laughs> they will storm Schultz's wagon and kill both Schultz and Django. But there's a problem with the masks, and suddenly these racist killers are babbling back and forth to each other absolutely hilariously. The movie as a whole has some tonal issues. I think it's trying to balance the funny with the extremely serious. It's about slavery, so it, it can't all be funny. Um, mm. But Tarantino still even got some flack for um, this movie at the time. However, he also did get a lot of critical praise for it. And mm -hmm. I liked it more the first time I saw it. And with each viewing, kind of loses its luster a little bit. It tries to hit those very serious notes often, um, and the two things playing together between the comedy and the seriousness just don't totally work for me on these most recent rewatches. But as a comedic milestone in my filmic mm -hmm. growth, uh, this one definitely stands out. Nice, good pick. I, I have not seen this, so I can't add anything to the conversation. <laughs> Literally nothing. Cool. What so, have you heard about <laughs> it? What has been your impression of it, I just from an outsider's perspective? I haven't really heard very much about it. I've only heard you mention it briefly in passing, and as of now. Um, yeah, this would be one... I mean, out of all of Tarantino's, this isn't one I've heard a lot of stuff about. So that's pretty much it. That's pretty much all I got. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Cool. Well, anyway, let's move on to your number eight. Cool. My number eight is probably a vastly different movie than Django Unchained. I would say probably a polar opposite almost. <laughs> no, maybe not quite. Uh, this is one, another one, like I said, we quote, we quote on the daily almost, I feel like. Um, in our family, um, the comedy is definitely one of the best parts about the movie, as well as the animation is absolutely gorgeous. Um, and the story is very well done. This one came out in 2018, and this is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. 
Sweet. What are your thoughts on Spider-Man? I love this movie. It doesn't qualify for my list because it is in my top ten films of all time. Ah, true. I love this movie to death. It was so good, so funny, so original Mm -hmm. and fresh at the time it came out. I've seen it a few times since then. Yeah. And it still delivers consistent returns on its comedy, on its superhero action scenes, and on its overall character progressions. I love Miles Morales. Mm-hmm. I love Spider-Gwen. And Peter B. Parker is awesome to me. I'm a huge fan of Jake Johnson from New Girl. And so, yeah, just all these characters. I've got John Mulaney. at it. Yeah, John Mulaney, Nicolas Cage. Yeah, Nick Cage. That excellent. It's got an ava- amazing voice cast. Mm-hmm. And... Again, it's just so fresh. Every shot is made to look like a comic book come to life. And I've heard a lot about the process Mm -hmm. devoted to animating this film. And the technology just didn't exist at the time to do it. The typical animated movie was sort of in that Pixar mold. Right. And this one, I feel like, kind of broke out of that mold. And so they had to reinvent the process a little bit but i'm so glad that they did i hope they make more of these i hope it spins off into an entire universe i'd love to see exactly. a spider gwen movie maybe a, a spider-man noir movie starring nicholas so cage awesome. uh in any case this movie stands out to me in all of the superhero movies that we've gotten over the last mm-hmm. decade and yeah it it's great what, what else can i say yeah i totally agree with everything you just said and I think this also could represent Marvel sort of as a whole. I mean, I didn't include any Marvel movies. I'm not a huge Marvel fan. Uh, you're probably more of a Marvel fan at this point than me. Mm-hmm. But maybe along with this, I would include, like, um, Guardians of the Galaxy is probably my favorite Marvel movie based on comedy. Nice. So, yeah, maybe some MCU could be included with this. But, uh, yeah, this is very good. I, I imagine you've already heard things about this. Um, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Sweet. What is your numero eight? My number eight is a semi-classic movie, but not very widely known. The star and director of this film is very well known over the years for his intense devotion to stunts, to comedy, to action, and just to all around making great movies. It features in the Criterion Collection with its sequel, a lesser film, yet still great. (laughs) And the first time I saw it, I was dying. The second time I saw it, I watched it with you. I think I showed you this movie. And it was fantastic the second time. So as I look back and trying to capture a wide range of comedy movies, I had to include Jackie Chan's Police Story. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this movie? Yeah, so... Police Story is also on my list, and it's my number seven. Dude, wow, that worked out very well. Hey. So it's my next one. So it's my number seven. Let's talk about it. One rank higher than you, but that's okay. (laughs) Yeah, so you showed me me this, and we were just pretty much nonstop laughing. This movie is hilarious, and the action is so good. This is probably one of my favorite action movies, as well as one of my favorite comedies. Um, uh, Wow, there's a video on YouTube by the channel Every Frame of Painting, that breaks mm-hmm. down why Jackie Chan's action is so good. It kind of talks about his whole filmography, but they do talk about Police Story quite a bit. And 
he's just such a legend and so important in the genre of action. And when you compare him to even modern day American action movies and any action movie, he's still, it's from the eighties and it's still timeless. It's so good. And the comedy, like we just keep harping on it, but it's so fantastic. So yeah, this is a comedy list. So, uh, comedy (laughs) definitely is a big reason why I put this on my list. Um, of course, all the fight scenes, like you mentioned, they're so meticulously choreographed and so excellently acted. And Jackie Chan is famous for doing many, many takes of every scene and just working extremely hard. He has one of the best work ethics of anyone in Hollywood or anyone in cinema around the world. So I had to shout him out for this Mm -hmm. movie. Great that it exists. Go watch it. It's fantastic. All right. Yeah. Awesome. Police story. So that was my number seven. Cool. So I think we'll just move on to my number seven then, if that's all right with you. Go ahead. Uh, All right. This actor is going to show up a lot on my list. (laughs) He's in about three of my top ten. He's one of my favorite performers of all time. I think comedic (laughs) actors are criminally underrated overall when considering like best of actor lists. Hmm. Almost everything he does is extremely high quality. I'm even a huge fan of his rock comedy duo with Kyle Gass called Tenacious D. Of course, I'm talking about Jack Black. Um, His work here is outstanding with Linklater's direction, Mike White's writing, as well as the great ensemble of all the kids. My number seven is School of Rock. Yeah, School of Rock's great. This is another one that we've grown up with, and I imagine it's one that has gotten funnier to us as we've aged. I'm interested as well to revisit this one because it's been some time. Uh, Jack Black is a fantastic actor, and I don't often think about him, but one of my favorite movies that's come out in the past few years has been, maybe not one of my favorite movies, but one of my one of the funniest and most rewatchable ones that's come out in the past few years has been Jumanji, yeah. um, the reboot. The sequel, maybe not as good, but the first one I've seen like four times, which is like crazy, actually, at this point. And it's so funny, and Jack Black, does an amazing job in that as well. But yeah. Anyway, School Rock, very good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um it's one that always makes me laugh, yet always moves me. Um hmm. there's a scene near the end where I mean of course it's oh, about spoilers. a spoilers. <laughs> it's about a guy who basically fakes being a substitute teacher and then he just <laughs> teaches these kids rock and roll the whole time instead of really teaching them real school. It's funny. The kids are awesome. They're all pretty talented. And, of course, they're they're working to put on a concert. And so mm-hmm. the climax of the movie should be no surprise that it's a concert. And just the, the scene and with all the context of the movie before that just always hits me really hard. And just such an emotional and impactful moment in the film. It's obvious that this role was meant for Jack Black. Mm-hmm. Um, his love for rock and roll shines through yeah. in every scene. And that comedy gets me every time. Um, keeps me coming back again and again. Awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to rewatching this. Probably soon. Um, another thing I would think is that as my understanding of music has grown, I would be interested in seeing this and uh, listening to songs that they play that the kids play. Um, another yeah. movie, so this is moving on to my number six, that features very good music. <laughs> nice. Is um, one of my, so your list excluded your top favorite movies, but this might possibly be my favorite movie. This movie, 
by one of my favorite directors that I've been following since I was introduced to this movie by you, actually. So, You're welcome. Bro, I saw <laughs> <laughs> this movie. Um, one of my favorite directors. This movie features great performances from kids um, that haven't really done much since this. This yeah. has kind of been their only thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got great people that have been in this director's um, filmography, and they add a lot as well. The kid actors and the adult actors, all brilliant. Um, the deadpan performances of many of the characters and the way that the director f- will formalize things that shouldn't really be formal is really funny. Yeah. This movie is Moonrise Kingdom 2012. So, nice. yeah, this is one of my favorites. Um, what are your thoughts on Moonrise? It's one of my favorites as well. Every time I think about Wes Anderson's movies, I think that the most recent one I saw is his best one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this one always sinks to the bottom of my list and then I and then I rewatch it and then I die laughing every time Mm -hmm. like it's so good the my favorite scene because the the main girl in the show has like these weird angry outbursts and she's kind of violent at times and uh let's just say a certain character gets injured or dies (laughs) and maybe not so much a main character so it's not that big not a main character not even a human. Not even a cute character, so. Not even a human, but um, <laughs> gets, he gets, it's a dog, dies. <laughs> let's, just, let's just say it. Yeah, at this point, okay. <laughs> but he says, no, she says, was he a good dog? And he just responds, who's to say? But he didn't deserve to die like that. <laughs> I always laugh. So it's such a great moment. The movie's great. Yeah, like you said, the adult performances are fantastic. Edward Norton... Pretty good, but yeah. I think Bill Murray, Bill Murray. and Definitely. Francis McDormand, Francis McDormand yeah. and Tilda Swinton in a small role, oh, yeah. Bruce Willis in a small role, Bruce Willis, they're yeah. all funny, they're all deeply moving and heartbreaking, which is something that Wes Anderson balances really, really well, is that emotional weight, as well as the bright, comedic, poppy moments which, like you said, is highlighted very excellently by his choice of soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And his cinematography is always uh, excellent. And Notch. this is at the peak of his style, his yeah. kitschy, abstract, weird kind of style. Uh, yeah, I love the universe of this movie that it creates. And yeah, Bill Murray is probably one of my favorite parts of the movie. He, when the part where he takes off his shoe and just like chucks at the guy, yeah. it's so funny. And then he's laying in bed. I hope the roof flies off and I get sucked up into space. You'll be better off without me. And he says it's so dry and so serious. It's so funny. I think that's a perfect example of what I was talking about. Yeah. Because that line is funny, but it's also so sad. Yeah. (laughs) The characters are very human, which, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's Mm -hmm. interesting. uh, It's an interesting one. Yeah, one of my favorite movies. Love Moonrise Kingdom, and I often revisit it. Nice. All right, moving on to my number six. This, talk about deadpan comedy. (laughs) This director, uh, probably not super well-known for being a comedic director. He'd probably be more put in the horror camp than anything. But I rewatched this movie recently, and it is hilarious. Maybe not the first that comes to mind when asked about favorite comedies, but as I was looking through the movies that I'd seen and rated very highly, 
this one came to mind and it jumped out at me and I remembered how truly funny it is. It's weird, disturbing, and absolutely hilarious from start to finish. It is one of the best satires of modern society and dating <laughs> culture that I've ever seen. My number six is The Lobster. Nice. Directed by Yorgos Lanthimos. Yeah, this is another one I have yet to see. So again, I cannot add anything. I have heard of Yorgos Lanthimos in passing. I've heard his films are wacky and very strange. So these are ones that I've been interested to check out soon. But yeah, why don't you just talk a little bit more about The Lobster? <laughs> yeah, I'd heard this movie was good. It's kind of my background on it. Heard it was good. <laughs> it's good. Didn't know really anything about it. <clears throat> and then I watched it. And the opening scene is a woman driving in, in the rain. Okay. She stops her car. She gets out. She walks out into a field where there's a couple of donkeys. She pulls out a gun and shoots the donkey like two or three times and then gets back in her car. Wow. That's the opening scene. That's great. And the film <laughs> never really answers a lot of the questions that I asked. <laughs> like, who is this woman? Why is she driving here? Why is she shooting that donkey? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And I think that's a lot of the point of the movie. It's meant to throw you off guard. Something that Lanthimos does very hmm. well. I love Colin Farrell in just about anything he does. But especially when he has an Irish accent. He's from Ireland, so it's his native accent, but the way that he delivers Lanthimos' dialogue in that accent is so great. There's a scene where he's talking to John C. Riley. What you did to that woman was dreadful. She killed my brother. I would have done the same thing if she killed you. you. You're like a brother to me. Oh, you're my best friend in the whole world. I don't think I'm your best friend in the whole world. You used to spend much more time with John. Oh, who's John? John, the limping man. Oh, yeah. I didn't even remember his name. Or his face. You're the one I think of whenever I need a friend. Nevertheless, did John make it? Rachel Weiss also stars, and she is hilarious at times as well. It's just so strange, so weird, so absurd. All of the other synonyms. <laughs> and I love it. And it's so funny. So, The Lobster. Nice. I think this is a good spot to take a quick break at our number five. Yeah. We can pause here and... Halfway through? Halfway well, through. Cool. Getting close. All right. And we're back from the break here. Quick break. And we're ready to dive into your number five, Baron. Okay. This may be one of my other favorite movies that's in this list as well as my favorite movies list. It's really grown on me, and as I've explored this genius's filmography, this one still stands out as my favorite one. And it continues to stand out as one of his best works. Composed, written, produced, directed, and acted by Charlie Chaplin, this is City Lights, 1931. Insane. Nice. Just the fact that he did all those things, composing the music, directing, composing, writing, and he's an amazing actor and performer. This movie yeah. is so excellent and so well done and hilarious, of course. Mm -hmm. The comedy is fantastic, many good bits, and I specifically love the way it deals with heavy and darker themes in a very comedic way. There's um, a scene where a character is going to commit suicide, and it just turns into a very funny 
in and out of the water with the rock and the rope and <laughs> just hilarious that switcheroo. Yeah. Just it's crazy how he can tackle those those themes in a very light and comedic way and a more accessible way. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts about City Lights? I agree. City Lights is my favorite Chaplin movie. I've only seen three, but I like this better than Modern Times just slightly mm-hmm. and then Great Dictator. I appreciate more than I like. But City Lights, I was very in on for the whole runtime, but me, like probably many others who've seen this film, was really, really taken by the boxing scene. Mm-hmm. That's where it really clicked for me. That's where I was laughing the hardest and where I really appreciated his choreography, his stunt work. Mm-hmm. And like you said, that comedic ability, the physical comedy. I mean, he's he's a master. He's a genius. Like you said, he's one of the best of all time. And this one is exemplary. Yeah, I've always heard it said that his films are timeless and people nowadays can still find enjoyment from them. But I never really could believe it or understand it until I've watched many of his movies. And I've only seen five or six at this point, but um, at least all of his major movies I've seen almost now. But I think that's definitely true. His comedy and his stories, narratives, they're super timeless. They're so funny and full of heart. They often are very moving. This one is very moving. It's a love story, essentially, um, of a poor guy falling in love with a woman. And it's just very, very great. Super, super endearing. And just love this one. And this just represents my interest in silent film and silent comedies. Um, I like Buster Keaton as well. I haven't watched as many of his. And um, Harold Lloyd, I've seen a few at this point. But yeah, this kind of represents that area of comedy for me. And that's pretty much all. What is your number five? Nice. My number five is a movie that when I watched it, I thought... This is like the animated Napoleon Dynamite. (laughs) Um, It was quirky. It was stilted in its dialogue. It was strange and off the wall. It features a insanely talented voice cast by big stars. Oh, yes. George Clooney, Meryl Streep, Bill Murray, Jason Schwartzman, among many others. This director is famous for his blatant visual style and that dialogue that I mentioned, co-written by Noah Baumbach. This is Wes Anderson's Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yes. What are your thoughts on Fantastic Mr. Fox? This one didn't quite make my cut for the top 10, but it is high on my honorable mentions, which we will get into. Nice. Um, I love this movie. It's gorgeous. It's a beautiful movie. Yeah. The animation, stop motion. Oh, I'm, I'm a sucker for stop motion movies. Uh, and this one is one of the best ever made. The characters are fantastic. They're super quirky, and they all have their weird little idiosyncrasies. The situation is very funny and like ironic in a sense, with the the animals living and stealing from the farmers. Just the whole setup of that. The premise is very interesting and and unique. Don't really have much else to say about this. It's a yeah. it's a great one. Nice pick. I'm glad that this is high on your list. Nice. Yeah. It's. Um... It's a clever twist on the story of the farmer who gets his crop stolen mm-hmm. by the rascally animals. This kind of tells their point of view, but it also deals with a character who maybe has a little bit of self-loathing, maybe a little bit mm. of regret. He feels like he's not enough, which actually compares to my number three, which will come up later. It's a character who 
he struggles to be himself in a world that doesn't really accept who he is, but also he is better off for maybe not diving into those deeper, darker impulses of his, um, of his nature. And it deals with the animal inside of all of us. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I like, I like the fact that Noah Baumbach co-wrote this. He teamed up with Wes Anderson on The Life Aquatic as well. Mm. Maybe another one. Can't remember. I think just those two. I think so. But they both share the cynical style uh, in their writing. And I think that really shines through in the fact that some of these characters, especially Foxy, voiced by the clune, <laughs> he, he just, yeah, he struggles. And the people around him suffer because of his choices. But that doesn't mean that it's not a hilarious movie. There are a lot of funny and good bits. <laughs> there are a lot of casual one-liners that I always chuckle at, even though maybe some other people tend to miss them. Not saying that I... I'm a genius at catching yeah. these little ticks, but there are some in this movie that on many rewatches I've picked up on, yeah. which I love. Yeah, so. this is definitely one I've seen many times. Cool. Yeah. Let's, um, hold on. Similar to City Lights, I liked how this one also, it's kind of dark and has a lot of darker things going on. Just, it's kind of funny how this maybe could be marketed as like a kid's movie, but yeah. I think this is probably more for adults and definitely one that you could appreci- appreciate more as uh as you get older yeah yeah cool yeah what's your number four sweet okay number four we have uh, extensively talked about this movie before on the show (laughs) aka a full episode about it (laughs) yeah (laughs) uh this is one that's very quotable it has so many good bits and the visuals add layers to the comedy and almost define it this is scott pilgrim versus the world from 2010. Nice. Probably. Yeah, I yeah, think 2010, so. I should know. <laughs> but this is one of my favorites. This is a delightful comedy. And yeah, we've talked about this a lot. Ad nauseum. <laughs> <laughs> on our episode, so you can check that out. But what what are your thoughts, just based on only comedy and in this situation, about Scott Pilgrim? Yeah, we talked a lot of it in our episode about the comedic style of this movie, the visual humor, the odd editing choices yeah. that Edgar Wright is very, very known for. And just, I love the little one-liners and all the jokes that are quick. This is one of those almost mile-a-minute type comedies right? that doesn't appear to be at first. But yeah, I, I added in the clip of Chris Evans' character from this movie mm-hmm. in our last episode, our episode on this movie, and... That's a really funny scene to me. So, yeah, tons of physical comedy and weird, just quirky things going on. So, if you're into that kind of stuff, it's good. Good watch. Cool. Couldn't agree more. All right. What's your number three, right? Or number four. Sorry. This is my number, number four. four. Now, I said that Jack Black was going to show up again. <laughs> I also mentioned that Jared Hess would show up again. And if many of you know, this movie then you know what i'm going to talk about obviously my number four is nacho libre nice my friends have been watching this lately it's kind of strange Mm. like i didn't see that coming when i was making this list that literally two of my roommates have watched this movie in the last week (laughs) so i've picked up bits and pieces recently that's great and it's so funny jack black is so committed to his character but in a lovable way 
he's not being racist or offensive in any way. He, he genuinely shows a deep love for the Mexican people and the art of Lucha Libre wrestling. He is a friar working at, working at an orphanage, a Catholic orphanage in Mexico. He is dissatisfied with his career and he wants to be a Lucha Libre wrestler. So he teams up with a street criminal, Escolito, played by Hector Jimenez. This movie has so much heart and once again has Jack Black just giving it his all. I've heard it said that his eyebrows in this movie are at their wiggliest. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love that because every time I see it, it stands out to me as one of those great little character traits that Nacho shares. The jokes are good and the physical slapstick humor is effective, just like <laughs> in City Lights. Mm-hmm. But I just happen to share a deep personal connection with this film for reasons that I won't go into in this episode. But let's just say this film makes me soar high like an eagle. Nice. Give it special powers. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I like Nacho Libre. Didn't make even my honorable mention, but it's one that I've forgotten about, I think. And I should probably revisit soon, as many of these that you've <laughs> had in your list. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jack Black has amazing expressions and a great performance. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. He's the best. <laughs> okay, what's your number three? Tres. Okay. Oh, my number three is one that you're going to talk about later, so we can save that. So I'll skip over my number three okay. and go to my number two. Yeah. We can talk about that later. That's my number one, so we'll hang okay. on for that. So my number two now is an essential nostalgia movie for me and probably for us. Um, I'm not going to yeah. speak for you, but Definitely. okay. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> this is a, oh man. I think that's in my top 10 of all time as well. That's probably, yeah. I okay. recently added it in there. So this is one that we've seen so many times and what we've been doing. Well, what we just did last time we rewatched it during the holiday that this movie revolves around. Oh, <laughs> okay. This is getting tricky. Yeah. <laughs> okay is we tried to find, we've seen it so many times, we were trying to find weird little consistencies and details in the background. Yeah. And the next thing that we're going to do on the next rewatch is the underquoted lines, because this movie has so many great quotes that are in our daily rotation. Oh, yeah. This one is fantastic. It's Home Alone by John Hughes. And is it from 99 or 91? I always forget. I think it's 91. It's from the 90s. 90s. (laughs) It feels kind of like an 80s comedy. Yeah. Or an 80s John Hughes movie. Oh, man, it's so good. It's slapsticky. It's creepy. It's fun. It's it's great. It's great fun. Uh, I I love Kevin McAllister, Macaulay Culkin. He's great. Great child (laughs) actor. Kind of got really big in the 90s, and since then hasn't done lots, but... Yeah, he had a lot of drug issues. He's had a rough go of things, but... I think Kevin McAllister was a role meant for, was meant for him. <laughs> and yeah, this one's great. This totally, this always, I always love the traps and stuff. It's so good. That whole montage, <laughs> it's one of my favorite montages and favorite like halves of a movie. It's so good. Yeah. What are your thoughts on Home Alone? Yeah, like you said, I quote this a lot. Like we said at the outset, these movies get quoted in our daily lives, mm-hmm. and I think of lines from this movie all the time. Specifically, probably, I don't know why, but 
he says, when I grow up and get married, I'm living alone. Yeah. <laughs> it's just funny he doesn't recognize what that means. But <laughs> I I love the supporting characters. Catherine O'Hara is great. John Candy yeah. delivers yeah, probably John one Candy. of the funniest oh, lines of all time. You know, kiss he's, me polka. He's describing the event with his child that he oh. left. He left at a funeral parlor. I'll add the clip in so you guys can hear it and how funny it really is. It's super underquoted, I think. Yeah, it was, uh, it was terrible, too. You know, I was all distraught and everything, you know, the wife and I. We left the, the little tyke there in the funeral parlor all day. All day. You know, when we went back at night when, you know, when we came to our senses. And there he was. Apparently, he was there alone all day with a corpse. Now, he was okay, you know, after six, seven weeks. And I came around and started talking again. Uh, but he's okay. You know, they get over it. Kids are resilient like that. Maybe we shouldn't talk about this. Well, you brought it up. I was just, you know, trying well, to cheer I'm you up. sorry I did. So, yeah, that part gets me every time. <laughs> so funny. And as well as Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern, the bandits. Bumbling the idiots. bandits. The bumbling idiots. They're so funny. Joe Pesci is trying his best not to swear. <gasps> yes. The whole time. One of the best parts of the movie. He pretty much just came right off of Goodfellas to do this. <laughs> and what a cha- What a transition. Daniel Stern, though, I think is my favorite part. Mm. He is under-talked about, I think. And again, when you see a movie enough times, you start noticing the exactly. weird, random We were trying details. to memorize, like, oh, the license plates, and oh, the point, wh- whoever's phone number is this, and like, <laughs> we've seen it so many times. Yeah, but Daniel Stern is manic in all the best ways. He is kind of played off as the buffoon character, but he's also just really clever and uh menacing in a weird way yeah but he's really just, creepy the way he They're delivers the way he delivers his lines his physical acting is so great i mean he steps on a bunch of christmas ornaments and shatters uh, and the them nail. and he he and this and the tarantula <laughs> he's so oh. good yeah that shriek i don't think he was expecting a it's real a real tarantula. it's a real scream yeah, yeah. that's insane anyway love that movie uh, can't, if you can't haven't seen it, it where have you been? <laughs> what are you watching? What movies are you watching if you haven't seen Home Alone? It's my favorite Christmas movie of all time, and it's number 10 on my list of all time movies. Nice. So if we get into that list later, spoiler ahead for my number 10. Okay, what's your number t- three? This is yes. your third, right? Yep. yep. My number three is a film that relates in its protagonist to Fantastic Mr. Fox, like I said. It's my second animated film of the list, so another connection to Fantastic Mr. Fox. And it's the third to feature Jack Black in wow. a prominent role. This movie some has threads here. Yeah, this movie has so many great bits in it and a fantastic voice cast, like the other animated film that I mentioned. It's a movie about belonging and being accepted for who we really are. But most of all, it's about Oscar the Shark Slayer. Of course, my number three is DreamWorks Animation's Shark Tale. Nice. I don't think I can confidently say I've seen this movie. Ouch. So. Okay, we're probably going to be watching this one next, so <laughs> maybe should, right after this. We we'll should do a deep it. dive into this yeah, movie dude. later on an episode or something. <laughs> probably that'd be good. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't really really don't have anything to say about it, but I know you you're always talking about it and talking about the voice actors. I'm always surprised by who was involved with this. <laughs> I'm like, wow, they were in that. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. So it's been it's been weird. It's kind of been one I've been meaning to get around to, as I've said literally like every single time you recommend one of these. So. Yeah, I mean, Will Smith, he he plays Oscar, the bottom-feeding fish who just wants to be somebody. 
and he starts out working at a whale wash, similar to like a car wash, as a tongue nice. scrubber, which is a pretty yeah. low, menial type job. He gets made fun of for it. And through a series of events, he becomes known as the legendary Shark Slayer, who becomes a hero to all the fish people. And they're all terrorized by Robert De Niro, who's like the mobster mm. boss shark guy. Mm. Um it's got a lot of funny threads throughout that relate to mobster movies and Scorsese movies. Scorsese actually being a supporting role <laughs> in so this funny. movie. Um, he actually owns the car wash, the whale wash, I should say. <laughs> and throughout Oscar's journey, he learns what it means to be somebody. While his friend Lenny, voiced by Jack Black, teaches his father to support his chosen lifestyle. I haven't seen it in a while, I have to admit, but as I remember the plot, there are probably a lot of threads that I didn't pick up on as a kid, a lot of subtext. Maybe there are some on-the-nose thematic parallels, but in any case, it's funny. It features a great performance uh, from Will Smith, as well as Jack Black, and it also features, like I mentioned, in supporting roles, Robert De Niro, Martin Scorsese, Renee Zellweger, Angelina mm. Jolie, and with Dougie Doug and Ziggy Marley as the two Jamaican jellyfish who are hilarious. And they're always singing along to Bob Marley songs nice. and correcting Oscar when he sings them wrong. So I just have to say my favorite line from this movie is actually spoken by Angelina Jolie's character. I don't know why it always gets me, but it, she says, deep down, I'm really superficial. <laughs> just like... I don't know why. It's just one of those funny, kind of like the Kevin McAllister joke. Yeah. There's an irony inherent in that statement that it always mm. makes me laugh. Nice. Sweet. So that was your number two, right? That was my number three. What's your oh, number, number two? two? Okay. My number two. We already talked about my number two. Oh, true Because your number one is my number three. Okay. Yeah, I'll move on to my number two then. Okay. Um, I debated a long time about this one and my number one. I've seen it so many times, and it never fails to make me laugh. This is the only movie where I simply think of a line or remember a moment, and I just chuckle to myself because <laughs> of how funny these lines are and the moments. <laughs> the lead actor in this movie goes all out, similar to Jack Black in many of his comedic roles, as well as do the other supporting characters. It's one of the most outrageous movies I've ever seen, while also being one of the most one of the best spoof movies of all time. I think to say this movie jumps the shark would be an understatement. My number two is MacGruber. Nice. Classic MacGruber. What have you heard about this movie? I know you haven't seen it, yep. but... <laughs> Another one that I have not seen. Um, yeah, I've definitely heard quite a bit about this one. Just how funny it is. Some of the oh, yeah. bits I've heard about. Some of the little jingles and songs and things. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's pretty much it. Just in passing, mainly. Nothing too specific, but it's been one of those ones that I've heard that's like a staple of comedies. So <laughs> It's one of the best... One of the essentials. One of the best modern comedies, I'd say. Of course, it's, it's a little bit underrated, but it's gaining a cult following, which I'm very happy about. I've been yeah. a big advocate of this movie. I showed my <laughs> friend this last week, and he thought it was really funny, which I was kind of surprised at, because just his comedic style and all that... I could quote so many lines of this movie, but I would have to use a lot of profane language <laughs> to do so, so I probably won't hear, but uh, I, I'm always laughing throughout. It's one of the movies that I turn on when I may be in a bad mood. It's really short, so it's just 
nice. super rewatchable, super funny. I always forget little weird random dialogue that's mm-hmm. thrown in between scenes. I mean, like there's a throwaway line where Piper comes out of the bathroom and he's like, "McGruber, your bathroom's disgusting." <laughs> and then like immediately they turn to something else and it's never brought up again. It's just like one of those lines that it's so funny and That's the writing awesome. in it is so clever. But the one part that I think I should mention, the one that always gets me cuz I always forget about it is McGruber says, "You're loco, man." And then the subtitles at the bottom of the screen say, "You're crazy, man." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's so good. Subtitle jokes. I cannot I cannot praise this movie enough. And I'm sad that to say that it's not my number one of all time, but I I enjoy every minute of this film. So MacGruber. Nice. Okay, so the next up will be our number one, but before we do that, we're gonna just list off a few honorable mentions each, some things that didn't quite make our list. And there's so many other ones that didn't make this list. It was so hard for me to narrow this down. Yeah, I probably you? I probably had 25 or 30 on my list at first, and yeah, I had to, I had I had to cut a lot. So hard. Yeah. Okay, so I'm just going to roll through these real quick. Maybe cool. talk about them a teeny bit. So my number five honorable mention was Over the Hedge. This cool. is a dream work similar to Shark Tale. It's such a smart comedy. So funny. So many funny bits and a great voice acting cast as well. Yeah, that's an honorable mention for me as well. So sweet, nice. Uh, it got edged out by Shark Tale. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just another DreamWorks movie. I have to say as well, the B movie. Yeah, the B movie. That I was gonna put that with this as well. Cool. Those are both fantastic. <laughs> um, next up, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Uh, we talked about that. Um, number three, Mr. Peabody and Sherman. I think this okay. one's a little bit underrated. I think so Is too. Is it a DreamWorks or Illumination? It's DreamWorks. I think it's DreamWorks. Mm-hmm. It's so smart. It's very, some of it's Maybe not fully historically accurate, but the way that they play around with historical fiction is so fun. And yeah, it's great. Um, check that one out. Very good. It's definitely overlooked by me. I've seen it and I love it, but I always forget about it. Yeah. Know? Yeah, that was one that I was like, oh man, I forget about this one, but yeah. it's one that I've, I love so much. Good pick. Um, number two is The Lego Movie. Do you have that in your mentions? That was very close yeah. on my list. Uh, it just barely got beat out, but it made it to my top 25 of the decade nice. list. So. Yeah, that's got to be one of the best um, animated comedy kids type movies. Um, I don't know, I guess. Very, very funny. Uh, what they did with the animation to make it look like stop motion, but when it's actually computer generated and how the, the meticulous craft of making everything Lego, yeah. all the waves and explosions and everything is Lego, it's fantastic it's a great one i have to say i genuinely thought it was start yeah. motion the first time i saw it and the level of detail that they go to is amazing like they computer generated every piece uh-huh. even the parts that you don't see because like the pieces connect right and so even the parts that you don't see they created like they put the lego Dang. words on the top of the pieces it just adds so much to that like texture yeah the the reality of what you're seeing exactly it seems like this could really happen and it's very cool but the way something that's revealed later in the movie it really makes it feel like that's what could be happening Um, yeah the way in which this world works the way that the legos are so meticulously animated and done that it feels like it's a real lego set really adds once you get later in the film yeah i'd say yeah, not to talk too much about this, but <laughs> I mentioned in my review of Rise of Skywalker that 
which I'm not a fan of, that I wished <laughs> I wish that that movie had a similar ending to the Lego movie mm. where, you know, it kind of pulls the rug out from under yeah. you and it makes you question what you just saw. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Sweet. Just had to mention that. The Lego movie, very good. Maybe the second one wasn't as good, but good sequel. I still haven't seen the second one. I will. Some good bits as well, but my number one honorable mention Ooh. was Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. This is the Ron Howard version with Jim Carrey, the live action one. <laughs> this is one that makes it into our constant quoting rotation. So funny. That one didn't Super make good. that Super one great. didn't qualify for my list because another rule that I didn't mention was I couldn't do Christmas movies either. Ah oh, dang. That that's a separate category. Yeah, because in my mind. that's like so many of them. I mean, yeah. Home Alone also like romantic comedies didn't fit in my list either. I just yeah. had to say that. So none of my list are yeah, very romantic. The lobster is similar, but very good, very good. Cool. I love The Grinch. It's so funny. It. I said Home Alone is my favorite Christmas movie, but it's always in debate with The Grinch. Yep. So. Yep. They're neck and neck for me as well. Cool. Sweet. I'll just throw out some of my honorable mentions as well. Uh, Over the Hedge, the B movie, City Lights, Modern Times, my other favorite chaplain, nice. The Apartment, Ooh. Billy Wilder, nineteen sixty movie, one best picture. Just watched it last weekend. Hilarious. So great. Um, some moments didn't totally work for me, but I think overall it's a great movie. The Spider-Verse, Wally. Oh, yeah, Wally. Yeah, that's one that I was going to mention and kind of tie Pixar in because nice. pretty much every Pixar movie oh, is yeah. so funny and so well done. Yeah. And they balance the comedy with many other elements as well, which is something yeah. that's very worth note. I don't think I've laughed as hard in an animated movie, or at least in a Pixar movie, than when he has the spork. Yeah. He can't decide whether to put it in the fork bin or the spoon bin, yeah. so he just kind of lays it in the middle. That's another one that we watched together, and we were just dying nonstop. Man, I did not movie... think it was going to be that funny, because yeah. like, we'd never seen it. I mean, really. it was hilarious, and there's very little dialogue, which is amazing. kind of reminds me of a chaplain. Yeah, very physical, very physical comedy, for sure. Yeah. Rushmore, another Wes nice. Anderson I find very funny. Step Brothers, um, I recently rewatched that, and... Nice. It's not the most enjoyable to watch, I guess. Like, it's one of those we mentioned at the beginning that when I'm watching it by myself, I don't love it, but quoting it is mm. so funny. And this movie has a billion one-liner quotes. Um, a Face in the Crowd by Ooh, Ilya Kazan. That was very... That actually was really funny. We also watched that together. Yeah. Laughed a lot. But I have to say, the time. first half is funny. The second half right. is deeply tragic. Right. But the first half is hilarious. I was a little off-put by that, but, yeah, you know, as I thought about it more, it... It's very good. I liked it. Lonesome Roads. He's great. Um, Sorry to Bother You kind of fits into that nice. satire category. It's really funny and oddball and absurd, which I absolutely love in a movie. I love when a movie's just like a wacky trip. Makes you say, um, what? Audibly. Yeah, kind of like The Lobster. Or like Eraserhead <laughs> yeah. by uh, David Lynch. Lynch. I put Orange County. Nice. Another Jack, Jack Black. Black dude, chill. He's my favorite. <laughs> and A Clockwork Orange. Nice. Another satire. I find that movie really funny in their dialogue, in some of the line. Like, I always laugh at the scene when he's being booked at the prison. He has to, like, empty his pockets, but he, he throws something onto the table, and the guy tells him to grab it and put it back down. And the way he just does that, it <laughs> makes me laugh. I don't know why. If you've seen it, you might know what I'm talking about, but... Anyway, those are my honorable mentions. Nice. Maybe one more I would tack on the end <laughs> at the bottom would be The Naked Gun Files from Police Academy, something like that. It nice. has like a weird extra colon yeah. title. Mm -hmm. um, it's very funny, I, but I, I just recently watched it in the past week, so I couldn't 
I couldn't confidently add it in. Right. Uh, it was one of those mile-a-minute comedies. Oh, that yeah. was just nonstop, and I was dying. I didn't think it was going to be that funny. There was a lot of inappropriate humor, a lot of innuendos and stuff mm-hmm. and such, but it was still very funny and one that I would probably recommend maybe to check out eventually. Nice. Sweet. All right. Drum roll for the number one who's, comedy who's of all time. Who's, wait, who's going? Rock, paper, scissors. Um, let's do mine first. Okay. <laughs> we could do mine first because yours was in my list at like number three. So That's true. Okay, go ahead. Okay. My number one is the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. What? This doesn't need any pre-introduction because it's too good. I don't even have words to describe this. Um, the SpongeBob universe, I would tack on with this the rest of SpongeBob as a whole. It's one of my favorite comedic universes, like I said. It's so good. There's so many bits, and it's so smart, and one of those ones that becomes funnier as you get older. I think a lot of the comedy is super relatable, and just very, very intellectual, and you wouldn't really expect that, maybe from an outside view, thinking like, oh, well, SpongeBob's like this stupid, bumbling idiot, which maybe they kind of do that more as the seasons get stale, and I'm only a fan of like the first few seasons as a, yeah. as a purist. But <laughs> Steven I think, purist. yeah, I think the comedy is super intellectual. Cool. I love the SpongeBob movie too. I love SpongeBob. <laughs> I have to agree, the characters get flattened out mm-hmm. over the course of the series, but this movie is awesome. I mean, it's funny, it's great, it's a, basically just a kid's movie. I mean, right. not that kids' movies are inherently worse or less important or impressive comedically than adult movies, but. I have a lot of nostalgia for this movie. I watched yeah. it a lot as a kid, like many of these. And so, yeah, I, I don't have a whole lot of, of thoughts about it. It's been a very long time since I've seen it. But every say, time I rewatch it, always laughing out loud. And it's definitely a five star for me. One of my favorite movies. Shell City. Yeah. The place we never got to. Okay. <laughs> okay. Literal drum roll. Okay. This is your number three. Let me just double check. Yeah, number three for me. Your number three and my number one. Mm-hmm. It is 1992, Wayne's World. Yes. I love Wayne's uh, World. Wayne's saw- World. Wayne's World. <laughs> Party time. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> enough of that. I watched this movie last winter and immediately wanted to watch it a half dozen times. And since then, I have. The 90s are one of my favorite decades for film, and this movie is one of the best comedies of that decade. Groundhog Day, The Big Lebowski, and Tommy Boy are up there for me as well, yet not necessarily favorites. This one has a certain rewatchability for me that a comedy must have to stand out. It's a bit of an anomaly, because I didn't think Austin Powers was that funny. Mm. And while his voice work in Shrek is pretty important in the history, uh, I'm not in love with those films per se. I think it's the exuberance with which these actors portray their characters. Kind of a common theme throughout my top 10 list today. Or possibly the mindset that I was in when I watched this movie for the first time. Either way, this movie stands above the rest as a masterclass in comedy writing while bringing to life some unique and extremely likable characters in the form of Wayne and Garth. Yeah. There are so many memorable moments for me. The suck cut... (laughs) <laughs> the Ed O'Neill's extremely creepy donut store manager and even the words 
Oscar clip appearing on screen after Wayne <laughs> splashed water on his face to simulate tears, giving a heartfelt speech to Cassandra. But what is Wayne's world without the iconic scene of the Buds cruising around town jamming out to Bohemian Rhapsody? Yeah, dude. This is a headbanger of a time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Literally. Literally. Um, no, oh, this is one... This Did is not. one that I wanted to watch for so long, and then you finally beat me to it for the first watch between us. Yes. But I'd always heard the popular sentiment that this is, as you said, a masterclass in comedy. They do every bit under the sun between this and Waynesville 2, from alternate endings to <laughs> um, dream sequences and just everything you can do in a comedy. They've done in these two movies, it seems, and set a high bar for any comedy that comes after it. The two characters are so fantastic with great on-screen presence and such a broiness between them, <laughs> which we love here on the show. Yeah, <laughs> we love bros. <laughs> to bros out there everywhere. <laughs> Wayne's World's great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really. I always, it's kind of like MacGruber where I remember certain lines. <laughs> One just pops in my head. They're sitting on top of Wayne's car and <laughs> Garth just asks him, did you ever find Bugs Bunny attractive when he'd put on a dress and play a girl bunny? No. <laughs> no. Neither did I. I was just asking. And it never gets spoken of again. It's such a random throwaway line, which, of course, in the 90s probably was more acceptable than it would be today. But just that moment between those two guys, I don't even know like why I always forget it because it's so funny. But everything in this movie is funny, so it's easy to get overlooked. Yeah. The characters are super quirky, especially Garth. He's so weird. The way he delivers those lines is so funny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Wayne learns Chinese so he can speak with Cassandra. Yeah. And that's another funny Another subtitled, subtitled joke. Yeah. Similar to the other one. True. There's a lot of common threads throughout my... Um, throughout my picks. Mm -hmm. This is actually also the second movie that came from an SNL bit. Nice. Uh, MacGruber started as a little sketch on SNL, and this one did too. So I'm glad this movie exists. I'm glad I yeah. watched it. I'm glad I've showed it to like almost all of my friends now. <laughs> what do you think about the sequel, though? The sequel is okay. I didn't love it. I thought the whole extended sequence rip-offing the grat... Rip-offing? Ripping off The Graduate yeah. was really good and clever, but the whole movie didn't really work for me, unfortunately. Hmm. Yeah, I think the plot isn't as good, but I think if you pair them together, if you made them like one movie, all the different things they do, like I said, is very impressive. Yep. Even though it feels a little repetitive and sequels are always hard to do, I don't think it pulled off super well because there's just mm -hmm. there's nothing... You can't beat the original. Like, they did it so well in the original, yeah. so it's kind of hard to... That's one criticism I've heard of Mike Myers as a comedian is that he's got, like, two bits. Yeah. Like, two... He's got two uh, gears, mm. and those get tiresome after a little while. But... Yeah. In any case, I mean, this movie still stands as probably a perfect masterpiece in, yeah. in comedy. Awesome, bro. Dude, we did it. Oh, wow. We made it through. I can't believe I did that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let us know what you think. If you agree or disagree with our lists, if you want to send in your own personal lists, let us know. Uh, follow us on Letterboxd and 
tweet at us if you want to, at bro, have you seen podcast? And we can quickly move on to our next segment, which is what has been entertaining you this week? Go ahead. All right. This week, uh, I watched a few movies. I'm still working on my Jean-Luc Godard project. And one that I would have to mention is Le Carabinier from 1963. I hadn't heard really anything about this one. It doesn't have a Criterion release. It's not easy to find. I literally had to buy this on DVD from eBay and it took a little bit a little bit to get here, but it arrived perfect time for my chronology. And nice. wow, I was actually blown away by this. So let me just explain. While I was watching this, I was pretty bored. I was pretty disinterested. I was put off. I thought it was pretty bland and grainy, just not an enjoyable experience. I thought maybe the graininess was due to the low-quality DVD because I've been watching so many Criterions. I was like, wow, they really need a good transfer of this movie. I was like critiquing it hardcore. Then I watched the abridged audio commentary, and this awesome critic, David Sterrett, explained some of these things and these feelings that I had. This movie is probably the best anti-war movie ever made, which is insane. Wow. Godard purposely ran the film through multiple times copying it to make it very grainy and embedded newsreel footage of war throughout the runtime, which was very was a very interesting choice. Um, it doesn't give you any traditional glamour or enjoyment that traditional war movies do, especially of the time in America. And still nowadays we get a lot of glamorous war movies. And this is like one of the least glamorous ones. Um, and it's a very anti-war film film. It's against war films in general, which is huh. super interesting. And I just found that to blow me away because I found that the director's purpose worked on me so well and I was very surprised. So this is one that's super underrated in his filmography. Definitely not my favorite. It falls close to the bottom, but just based on overall experience and other factors. But I think this is a very interesting movie. So wow. definitely recommend. And I'm glad that I picked it up on DVD, actually. Cool. I was kind of nervous, but I'm glad that I did. Um, one other one I would like to mention was Blood Feast by Herschel Gordon Lewis. He's dubbed as the godfather of gore. Wow. Um, I've never really been super interested in watching any like gore or that type of subgenre of movie. I get kind of queasy with blood and injuries pretty easy. Um, but really, this wasn't a problem for me. Uh, it was pretty cheesy. The dialogue and acting was so bad. Um, it's, this is from the 60s, uh, early 60s. But I would have to recommend this one as just a cult classic and one that if you're looking to get your feet wet in maybe that type of movie, it's probably a good jumping off place, I'd say. Um, it wasn't too graphic and... It was a pretty fun time, actually. Yeah. I enjoyed it. So Wow. Look at you recommending all these 60s horror movies. <laughs> Who would have guessed? Nah. We talked about Night of the Living Dead in the uh, past. Ah, true. Okay. I forgot that we didn't release that episode because it was so bad. But oh, yeah. We were just getting, but that's one of my favorites. We were just getting started on the pod. Cool. Well, after that being said, I'm going to recommend a classic horror movie. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, this really entertained me last week. Surprised that I'd never seen it. It just wasn't really available until I found this nifty little app called Shudder that I've nice. plugged before and I'll plug again because it's great. And they're not promoting me or anything to say this. Dead serious. Uh, this is John Carpenter's Halloween. Nice. Of course, it's one of the staples of early horror, of early slasher. Basically this and like the Evil Dead kind of jump-started this genre as well as Friday the 13th. Came out in the late 70s, more or less student, low-budget kind of films. Didn't have 
a lot of production quality to them, but Halloween is by far my favorite of that grouping. I think I still prefer the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, hmm. especially the first one. I've only seen the first two, but I'm excited to see the rest uh, as my favorite sort of slasher series. But Halloween just has so much going for it. It really caught me by surprise, that first scene. I won't uh, say what happens, but they totally pulled the rug out from under me. I don't know why. I like guess I just never heard about what the movie was about. I mean, I kind of knew that yeah. it's about this guy who's killing people, but beyond that, didn't know the beats of the plot. Anyway, it's the persistence of Michael Myers that I find really frightening. He does not stop. You can't kill him. And he's so strong and so relentless in his efforts to kill people without really any motivation whatsoever as far as the film explains it. So I just had to say I really, really enjoyed watching this. Awesome. It's one of my favorite horror movies now, and I see why it's a classic. Yeah, it's a big blind spot in my horror experience that I'm getting into more. <laughs> nice. My second one, I'll have to just say real quick, was The Apartment. I did mention it as an honorable mention. I watched it this week, so it was too recent to really mm. um, say. But I'm really starting to love Billy Wilder as a director. Awesome. I basically forced myself to watch Some Like It Hot, and I was pleasantly surprised by how enjoyable it really was. I probably should stop being surprised that black and white movies are actually entertaining. <laughs> but something about them just kind of feels Wait, like homework. <laughs> something about them kind of feels like homework. But yeah. I put this on the other night, and I was instantly more of a fan of Jack Lemmon in this than I was in Some Like It Hot, though that was a good performance, just maybe not my favorite part of the movie. I was impressed by how funny Marilyn Monroe was, actually. But his constant energy as a character is so great, especially when he starts caring for Shirley MacLaine's Fran Kubelik, who, by the way, is an absolute gem. She is so lovely in this film, and... Uh, nice. It was so enjoyable watching Baxter and Miss Kubelik um, kind of gain this unorthodox friendship and eventual romance. It, this won Best Picture in 1960, and while some of the thematic uh, plots didn't necessarily work for me from a modern perspective, I can definitely see where they were going with it, and for the time it was quite progressive and very interesting. There were times when maybe the score was overplayed a little bit too much. It was a little too bombastic in scenes where I think you can tell what's going on and you can mm. kind of feel what's happening. But um, other than that, brilliant movie. Really enjoyed myself. It, it's a really quick watch. And it's one of those that if you're trying to fill your blind spots of Best Picture winners or Billy Wilder films or classic black and white comedies, this is a must. So that entertained awesome. me this week. Yeah, good stuff this week for us, I'd say. Cool, yeah. Uh, I would say we can head on right to our last and final yep. and closing and ending segment, which we came up with recently because both of us are big fans of physical media. Indeed. Owning Blu-rays and DVDs and... Premium editions and <laughs> Criterion Collection films. Yeah, we're super pretentious, yeah. but... Some of the most important films ever made. <laughs> <laughs> but... I have quite a big collection of movies, and it keeps growing. Um, we just had a 50% off flash sale from the Criterion Collection, so I picked up a few that I've been wanting to see, mm -hmm. a couple blind buys, and a couple ones that I really like. I know you got a couple as well. Yep. 
and we wanted to add this segment in every week to just kind of talk about what we've picked up as far as physical media goes uh, in the last week. We might not do it every single week, yeah, but we'll maybe try our and... bonus episodes at least once a month. Definitely. So we'll start with you. What are some notable pickups you got this month? Okay, I'll start from the lesser ones and go up. Uh, one of the ones I picked up was Spaceballs on Blu-ray. Nice. Uh, I picked that up for a few bucks at Best Buy. Kind of, That's a good comedy. It didn't make my list, of course, but <laughs> it's one that I've enjoyed and have been thinking about recently. Um, I picked up a few DVDs. I picked up Moneyball. Um, probably going to upgrade that to Blu-ray eventually. And I picked up Le Carabinier off eBay, like I said, for that project. And my big gem that I've been super stoked <laughs> for was my first premium edition steelbook, full slip, from Nova Media out of South Korea. And this is A Brighter Summer Day. It's a Taiwanese film from the 90s by Edward Yang. I believe it's 91 or so. This is one of my favorite movies. And it's about four hours long, so it's quite a investment. But I would say it's so worth it. It's such a beautiful story. And the edition is very nice. I'm so glad to have just a fantastic version of this. And I'm going to double dip and get the Criterion Edition for the for those bonus features. Yeah. You've been harping on that movie. Dude. I've been... Every for... single day, I'm like, oh, is it going to come today? Is it going to come today? Yeah. It finally came uh, two days ago. So... Cool. All right. What have you picked up recently? Whew. Physically. I'm a little ashamed to say... I've been getting a lot. Actually, this month was a lower month for me. I think November I went way yeah. overboard. So the last few months I've really tried to tone it down, save my money. You know, I'm a struggling poor college student, so I probably <laughs> shouldn't be buying Blu-rays every day. But this month I got some notable additions. I've been getting into A24 films a lot. They're mm -hmm. kind of an independent sort of studio that produces a lot of low-budget indie films from very, very artistic and brilliant young minds coming breaking into the scene and uh some of my most favorite pickups from this year as i mentioned in my top 10 list of 2019 the last black man in san francisco picked that up also got the lighthouse um picked up the disaster artist which is a pretty funny biopic about tommy wiseau the guy who directed the room one of the worst movies ever made or whatever <laughs> also it's not an a24 film but as soon as it won Best Picture and a bunch of other awards, I went immediately and bought Parasite. I'd seen it twice in theaters. Mm -hmm. I would love to talk about that at some yeah, point. At some point we're going to have to. Maybe it's, do like a whole Bong Joon-ho episode. Maybe. That'd be someday. Cool. It's really good. I mean, duh. It's an understatement to say that's really good. Yeah. It's amazing. It's brilliant. It's so well-crafted from beginning to end. Love it. So I had to go pick that up on Blu-ray. And then, similar to you, I mean, I've kind of been more into the premium editions of yeah. stuff uh and i kind of maybe kind of, helped to introduce you to yeah, some of the brands and companies that are out yeah, there yeah. i've got a couple nova media editions i'm trying to collect um tarantino's filmography in premium editions mm -hmm. and this month whew, i got pulp fiction nice. from ebay i paid way too much for it but it looks so nice on my shelf it's very sick <laughs> which is what all the chronic collectors will say <laughs> but it looks nice. Love that movie. Uh, it's one of my favorite movies of all time, so I had to have it. Nice. Good pickups, bro. Cool. Oh, yeah. I guess I should mention that Criterion sale. Oh, yeah. Um, I've been working through some directors, some American directors and films that I hadn't seen, like I said, filling in some blind spots of the past. I decided to get Do the Right Thing by Spike Lee, 
It's a movie I haven't seen before, but I've heard such high praise from him. I loved Black Klansman, so I decided I would go back and see possibly his greatest work, at least the most talked about and highly praised. Right. I also picked up Eraserhead. I mentioned that earlier nice. a little bit, but it's one of my favorite David Lynch films. Yeah, I'm films. like halfway through that. I, I'll have to give it another go. I'm so sorry. Good. I'm sorry. I it's so good. But wasn't I also, the right frame of mind. I also picked up, and I'm very happy about this, the Eclipse box set. It's kind of a, a DVD series that Criterion does, just releasing some lesser-known films by wider-known directors, and they kind of just put them in these box sets. Yeah, it's like a parallel type thing. Yeah, it's not quite Criterion Collection, but it's by the same company. I picked up the 46th one in that series, which is Ingrid Bergman's Swedish Years. Nice. Features about five or six of her earliest films in Sweden, and even as early as the 30s, she was a star, Dang. and I love Ingrid Bergman, and I love watching her on screen. And nice. Films, so, yeah, I had to pick that one up. Nice. Yeah, I kind of forgot to mention those Criterion pickups. Got a f- I only got a few this time. I'm waiting for July for yeah. Barnes & Noble, and that's when I'm going to spend all my money <laughs> that I have. Cool. But I got a new Chaplin film, The Gold Rush. That's my second favorite one. And then I got The Killing by Stanley Kubrick, one of my favorite heist movies, and maybe a lesser-known Kubrick one. And I also got Rafifi. Um, I think it's by Jules Dessin or something yeah. like that. It's from 55 from France. Very good heist movie. Probably one of the best, and... You definitely should check that out. Cool. So I'm excited for those to come. Beautiful editions all around. Nice. All right. Well, like we said, follow us on Letterboxd. Yep. Follow us on Twitter and let us know. I'm thinking about maybe setting up an email account for you to leave feedback to us if anyone out there is listening. Uh, It'd be great to hear back from you. Be sure to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Let us know what you think about the show. It really helps us to reach new listeners and grow the show. So we appreciate Anyone, if anyone is listening, thank you. And thank you very much. See you later, bro. See you, bro.